0: Okay, is that uh, all right?
1: Yeah, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh,
0: wow. Are we gonna have one of those quirky intros? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's probably some good stuff in there we can pull. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> are we uh, okay? It's like,
1: oh, make sure I didn't say that, cut that out. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're so quirky and unique. Like, <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Good god. Into to the Weekend Rental Podcast. This is going to be our inaugural episode here. It feels great to be doing this, to be honest with you. So, the podcast itself is new, but I mean, myself, I'm Greg, my co-host here, Jeremy, we have definitely been around for a while. Both of us in this hobby, around the community, in various ways here. I have my Get the Greg Games YouTube channel now. I've been on YouTube three years, man. That is... That's insane. Crazy. It's insane. It's been three years. Yeah. So that's been growing and doing that, covering collecting, grading, buying, selling, finance, video games as a collectible, as well as collectible hobbies, um, finance in general. And that's kind of where I specialize in what I've really been putting my efforts into over the past few years here.
1: Yeah. Um, and you've been uh, doing great at it. I oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess you guys might know me from uh, being an admin on Sealed Games Club. And uh, I'm also a member of the Interactive Art Collection, which is run by Stephen Rees. Yep. And I'm the treasurer of that. So we do like uh, museum pop-ups at conventions. And uh, yeah. Just is that it.
0: the uh, Art of Nintendo Power? Yeah,
1: that's sort of our flagship exhibit, I guess okay. you would say. Yeah. So a huge amount of pieces in that collection that we take to conventions and stuff all over the country and display. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you guys also like the curation and um, kind of the... What's the word, like, uh, not restoration, preservation, like curation, preservation, and documentation, I guess?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess, um, you know, it all kind of started with the Nintendo Power Collection. Uh, Stefan sort of uh, accumulated a lot in a very short amount of time, and uh, so he decided to build a museum around it. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been fun, and it's been going great, and uh, the, first, the first ever exhibit I did in person was at PAX West. Okay. Uh, which was pretty recently. So that was a lot of fun.
0: So how long had you been working with the uh, foundation itself then?
1: Um, I think it start. I think he created it in 2021. Okay. So from the get-go, he asked me to be on the executive board. So there was uh, myself, Josh Byerly, and Stefan. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. So that's Jeremy. I have my own YouTube channel there, Collectibles and everything. And this podcast is basically going to be an avenue for us to share collective knowledge in the video game space about obviously video games as collectibles, but also trading cards, sports cards, comics, um, any kind of collectible really that you could get into because in doing this at a more serious level in a more, not not where finances are the utmost important, but it's really cautious about how you buy, how you spend, what you choose to purchase in this hobby to really maximize your output of it. Money is not infinite. I think Mm -hmm. we can all agree on that. So what you do and how you do it within these hobbies can really, really differ and change how much you can get out of the hobby. So whether it's video games, I mean, crypto, broader economy, all of that is going to funnel into how the decision making process works, and what kind of macro factors actually dictate what you might want to do at any given time Mm -hmm. right now a lot of stuff is down that's where we're at the economy kind of i mean it's been going up a little bit now but Mm -hmm. you know overall we've been sliding downwards for the past year and a half two years now yeah which completely changes how you interact with this hobby completely changes how other people see it uh sentiment youtube sentiment everything everything changes when an economy starts going down versus up so interesting stuff like that is all going to be this podcast right here so hopefully uh, you're ready for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I know you've been kind of doing this for a while, but when did you when did you start game collecting? What, what was the when would, when did you get into it?
0: Yeah, um, game collecting itself, from what I would say, would be a, like a serious like. Oh, I'm a game collector now. Not just I had games growing up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've played them my whole life. Yeah. Um, but when I first started <clears throat> curating my own collection, would have been grade. 10 I believe I would have been uh 15 years old okay and I had a job really young too so I was working paper route starting in like grade five so from grade five till I think grade nine I did paper route and then grade nine I got a job at the local grocery store I was working at the Sobeys so I had my own income yeah almost immediately you know yeah so at age 15 I was already nostalgic for NES uh we grew up with it so I bought myself a complete in box console from the local... Um, it's called Cashopolis. It's like a used video game store, pawn shop, thrift shop, all just kind of amalgamated. So they had a complete inbox NES set, and then from another store that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, but Replay Games, mm-hmm. actually, I bought a complete inbox copy of bigfoot on nes it's oh, cool. a monster truck two-player game most people listening probably don't know what bigfoot is it's, it's <laughs> like you know nes has so many games where you just like only very specific people will care about them because it's like what you had growing up or right. it's like one of the only 10 games we had on the system you know yeah. so you'll find people who just like love bayou billy because it's like oh that's all i had yeah
1: <laughs> but that's funny you know sometimes i, lo- I look at you know, auction listings and stuff, and I'll see an NES game and it's like, have I ever seen that before? <laughs> there are just so many games. Yeah, well, it's over 700. Yeah. Like, you don't realize it, I guess, unless you get deep into it, because yeah. really
0: all you ever see are the like 50. You yeah. see 50 games.
1: The standards. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> as you get a little bit deeper, you might run into the next 100, but there's NES games you'll never see unless you start collecting. Mm-hmm. You just won't even, yeah, won't come across it. Yeah. So, that's what I did first. There, uh, got the NES, got the um, the Bigfoot, played it, had a hell of a night, like great time with it. And then from there, it became K. Okay, I want to, uh, like I said here, with how this podcast can be structured, I wanted to maximize my potential in this hobby, maximize my outputs. How can I stretch my dollar the absolute furthest so I can collect as much stuff as possible? Because uh, you know, fifteen, I, I didn't have much money, I just straight up.
1: Yeah, so absolutely.
0: Buying and selling became my main. Hobby almost like that almost became my other part time job in high school. Yeah, was selling video games because I would buy any lot, any bundle, <clears throat> anything that came up where I thought it was a good enough price where I could keep some stuff for my personal collection, sell off the rest. Yeah, which I mean, now 2023, that's nothing new. That's what everyone well, a lot of people do that these days. That's basically the most optimal <laughs> money saving way to collect, but yeah, you know, I've been doing that. Uh, net zero i always wanted to be net zero so Mm -hmm. i'm not lit i'm spending a ton of time make no mistake i'm not spending money but i was putting in hours upon hours upon hours of like cleaning games fixing nes consoles like everything in order to um maximize the money yeah and that's how i really got deep because back then you could buy bundles of games you could find undiscovered games without having to spend you know tons of money Mm -hmm. you come across princess tomato in a bundle and you're like what? What is this? Yeah. Like, what is this game? Why does this exist? You pop <laughs> it in, you play it for 20 minutes. So like, oh, that's neat. You look it up. At the time, it was probably like a $40 game. And you're like, oh my God, like, I have a $40 game that's in my insane. collection. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, uh, yeah,
0: that's, that's a big thing back then. Yeah. So, absolutely. That's how it kind of all escalated for me. And yeah. then, as you know, I got older, more serious into it, it went into sealed collecting. I think I sent my first order to VGA in 2012. Okay um, wow, so, a while ago, yeah, like eleven years, which is in almost twelve years, I guess, yeah, it's insane, so I've been doing sealed for you know as long as anyone really, and um in that realm, it was just kind of a I learned I care more about curating um preserving if you want to put quotations around that because like you know can just preserving and um collecting more than actual gaming, right. so having a like I can emulate anything, I emulate a lot of stuff mm-hmm. so. If You're talking me, about the retro stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> emulate, <laughs> I'll emulate where possible to be completely yeah, honest. Like, right, it's, yeah. it's just convenient. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll emulate basically anything. So if I had a sealed copy of a game, it never affected me in any way. It's not like, oh, my God, now I can't play Bigfoot because I have a sealed copy. Right. And it's like, you know, if yeah. I wanted to play it, I can play it anytime I want. Yeah. At least is, you know, how I started to see it. Yeah. And so went down the sealed route, went down more. I, in my head, I, it's a more optimized collecting kind of like just going up like CIB, then sealed, then mint sealed. It's just kind of like the going up a scale of like, I was going to say a scale of stupidity for how like, <laughs> <laughs> how OCD or like anal do you want to be about your collecting? You know, yeah, yeah. with each tier jump, it almost becomes less pure, less fun because it's like, oh man, the decision making and everything becomes harder, more stressful more money uh it it changes a lot of things yeah over the years i think i would say that some of the uh like natural fun of collecting has been lost with how much you start learning with how much you start trying to uh you just you're you're trying to literally min max everything Mm -hmm. and that becomes its own meta and its own game but you know like walking into a game store used to be magical yeah because you just kind of look at games and you don't really know prices and you don't really know games and you might see something you haven't seen before but then suddenly it becomes you walk into a game store you know every title you know prices basically off you know what i mean like yeah you can look around and be like ah oh, basically everything's overpriced that's kind of value over there oh that's a neat game don't see it often but like that's oh, way overpriced mm-hmm. like everything just becomes kind of optimized in your brain to a point of you lose, a, you lose a touch of the magic. Yeah. So you're saying ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a lot more fun walking into like a sports card shop or a comic shop or something okay. where I genuinely yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. Because I can walk in, I can look around, I can see stuff I haven't seen before. It's like, oh, that's $60. That's a hundred. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. yeah. I might just buy something impulsively. I don't know if it's a great purchase because there, there is so much fun in the ignorance. Mm-hmm. There's so much fun in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's... um. I think I'm kind of the same, especially at, like, collectible shows or something, you know, where people have booths everywhere. It's like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'll spend $100 on that. It's probably a terrible purchase. Yes. But, you know, you're just kind of, um, it. yeah, you're right. It kind of recaptures that magic of, uh, of not knowing everything. And yeah. kind of being excited about stuff still. Like,
0: I'm okay with being wrong. I want to be wrong. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, then you learn about it. You Absolutely, go down a yeah. rabbit hole, you know. Like, yeah. maybe you spend 100 bucks on a comic that routinely sells for 60 bucks. but it's like, cool, you have it. You might learn about it. You might go down rabbit holes and, like, yeah. that, that starts your learning.
1: Yeah. And you might just hold on to it for a long time and then suddenly look at a price and you're like, mm-hmm. oh you know, finally I'm breaking even or I'm actually (laughs) making money on this thing. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Or yeah, you just like put it on your mantle and it's like, oh, that's my first mistake in this hobby. Yeah. Like that's, you know, its own special little spot. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess, uh, kind of my road to where I am now Mm -hmm. where, you know, picking up so many things over the years with what you can collect and how to collect, variants, everything. Yeah. That now it's like, okay, I can kind of share this knowledge Mm -hmm. that would take someone, you know, took me 15 years. I could probably distill this information. I could create a good collector in like three months now because of 15 years of knowledge I already have. I can just like tell someone. Right.
1: (laughs) So here's what I've learned.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you don't don't have to waste this. Like (laughs) don't waste your time doing this. I can just tell you like, you know, there's no longer scouring the internet for these niche variants. Like we know it. So we can Mm -hmm. just tell you this now. Yeah. And it's, you know, 2023 has a lot of things wrong with collecting, um, with prices, with how reselling has gotten scalpers and all this, but there's also never been so much knowledge and access and availability. And just, if you want to get into it, there's, it's more expensive than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. I I don't discount that at all. If you want to get into it, there's just more access. I yeah. think than there's ever been before. Yeah. Even if you are buying from a reseller or something like you have access. Right. You know, 10, 15 years ago, like <laughs> even if you wanted something, it was just, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you could go to grad sales all the time and stuff, but like, that doesn't mean you're buying what you actually want. You're just buying what's available. Right. Now you can just like kind of buy whatever you want at any time and know what you're getting and opt- like optimization. Yeah. It's a lot of optimization now in this hobby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less um, discovery, I guess, in that case. Yeah. Because there's so much knowledge out there.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, yes.
1: Yeah, and I think you sort of followed a natural progression, you know, where you start with the, you know, kind of the base level stuff, the CIB stuff, the, you know, carts only, you know, as you kind of go on, you start seeing like, oh, you know, I could actually buy these things with like a seal still on them, like how they were on store shelves. And then you kind of, I don't want to say you graduate, but... You know, no, I, you kind of, you kind you of climb up to mean. the next tier. It's a mountain a little bit, right? You're always kind of climbing to the next thing.
0: That's why I, I almost said there with a sense of stupidity, because there is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you never have to like, yeah. like a lot of people just cart only collect and like that, that will be yeah perfect for them. Which is fun. Like, yeah. 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 You know, you know, I almost did a cart only full NES set. Like, as you say, I started with, you know, what I started with. Yeah. Uh, full set N64 almost had a cartridge only set uh, NES, like cartridge collecting is where I started. It's what taught me everything. Mm-hmm. And then from there, yeah, it went up. But again, with the optimization point, a lot of people don't have to start there anymore. Yeah. You don't have to start at cartridges anymore because yeah. there's so much information, knowledge, and again, access. Yeah. So you can just jump in at CIBs. You could jump into factory sealed if you want. There's people who can tell you what a factory sealed game is. There's grading companies that can help you out. Like yeah. this all exists now.
1: Yeah. And um, I think the barrier to that sometimes too is the the amount of money you're comfortable spending. Yes. In something you don't know. One hundred You know, so I think like You know, uh, starting in carts only is like a great way, even for someone nowadays, because they might not be comfortable spending $1,000 on a sealed game or something right away. Never mind uh, $100 there, like you might not
0: be comfortable sending that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it, you know, it is a good way to, to kind of just get a few things you really like. And then if you take to it, you know, maybe you'll, you'll kind of be interested in that next level or the next game. And you just, you know, you just kind of, it's a gradual thing. I, I think a lot of people that jump in with too much can get burned that way yeah if they don't I, know I see enough.
0: that too for sure like yeah. over the years, even locally here in our own scene it seems that our, our own scene has all but died mm. uh, in our city you know, right. from people that I used to converse with five to ten years ago quite a bit you know NES collectors, uh, whatever it is, just people that now I guess that maybe you just buy everything you've ever wanted yeah and you finally do reach an end point of collecting and you just stop.
1: yeah or it's just price prohibitive yeah or you, know. you
0: get yes that's true as well yeah there's a of a
1: financial barrier. Yep.
0: Yeah, which, like you said, going into card only—that is your gateway in. Yeah, but that's enough about my history. Uh, how did you get into this, good sir?
1: Oh well, I found it interesting that you had a high school job. I did too, but mine was uh, <laughs> mine was playing in an orchestra because <laughs> I'm a violinist. Does that pay? It does. <laughs> it does. Um, so that was how I was making money in high school. And actually, some of the first comics I bought were with money made from my orchestra job, or from money I got from like sometimes scholarships and like summer music festival and, you know, win a class and you get money out of it. And I'd be like, I'm going to buy that hundred dollar comic. So
0: you're a a comic guy first and foremost. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think really, if I'm digging way back, it's probably Pokemon cards that, uh, that got me into collect being a, of of a collector mind, I think. Yeah. Because it was always indoctrinated all of us. Yeah. I know. (laughs) You know, it's like 1999, you see your, you know, my best friend came up to me. He's like, look at this. And it's a, charmander card and i'm like what is that and you know it's just it was a craze for a long time and we were we didn't so much play the game we were more interested in kind of um acquiring the cards and just trading with other kids keeping them in our binders trying to get a full set trying to find that elusive charizard i was a binder kid as well yeah never (laughs) never pulled one never pulled a charizard i think we pulled a venusaur once Okay. I think okay. that was like one of our best pulls.
0: I mean, that's still, yeah, like that's something. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people yeah. who are going to have childhood to just pull the rare trainer out of every pack and it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man.
1: Yeah. The pulls were difficult. I think back <laughs> yeah. then. Really difficult. It's so. awful. Hollow yeah. or bust. Like that yeah. was basically. Yeah. I remember we had a friend of ours who, uh, who had a lot of rare cards and me and my buddy went in together and we traded for the Charizard that she had. Oh, really? So <laughs> that's how we got our Charizard and I still have it. How, you know, how,
0: com- how how did you and your friend
1: decide who got it? I don't know. I mean, but you I, have it, which is great. I have but... <laughs> it because, like, you know, he got. I think he got rid of most of his cards and all the other stuff, and we kind of moved into Yu Gi Oh as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I I kept everything in binders. Like I still have my Pokemon binder. And, you know, I anything never... valuable in it? uh yeah. I mean, I have a. I had a full first edition Jungle set. Oh man, good. You are yeah. yeah, you're already first edition guy too. Yeah, hey. in high grade. Um, I had all the base set Hollows, not first edition or Shadowless, but. We kind of like I think we we came onto the game just after that initial run. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, I don't think I ever saw a first edition base card until I was an adult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't Me think too. they
0: existed as I was a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you would have you would have had to have some kind of insider knowledge from somewhere. Cause it's not like you would just, you know, browse Facebook and see like, oh, Pokemon trading card game just came out. You know, you had to you had to hear from it from like a newspaper or a TV commercial or, yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I
0: always heard that distribution of first edition was like um and not limited to the West Coast, but like, you know, kind of trickled its way in from there.
1: You're probably right.
0: And so us being in Canada here, you know, we would have gotten <clears throat> sixth hand cards by the time they finally like dispersed their way up here. Who knows if we even retailed packs of first edition?
1: Yeah. We just might not have. Yeah. And I think we were lucky, too, that we got the same prints as... uh U S as well. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. if we've got some like Canadian print with like French and English, we would have been screwed. They oh. <laughs> would have been worth a lot less in the future. Truly the
0: bane of Canadian existence. I know. Eh? Like you know, it's,
1: it's funny when I say that because I, I set out initially when I started collecting CIBs to get the, uh, the elusive uh, French language, a link to the past sets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like an initial one. There's a, you know, there's uh, revisions of it too. And to find something that was complete with all the original inserts was Isn't there such that a pain cool in the back butt.
0: copy that says like French version or something. Yeah. There's right two on of that. them. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. two
1: of them. I think the, the first print had black writing below the title. <laughs> so I think a lot of people mistaked it for what it was and they made a revision where it's like in bold red at the yeah, top. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. French. only. Yeah, French really? language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do not buy this. No. Yeah, like, literally. <laughs> yeah. So I remember uh, it being really fun to try and track those down with all the original inserts and when i found them i was like oh my god like you know it took me probably a year and a half of waiting uh, for I, auctions i believe it you know on ebay if for those things to show up
0: even now they aren't at all easy yeah like the, you know 15 years later no one really cares yeah but they still aren't easy to they're find. not easy yeah yeah
1: and they you know they're cool i like i love a link to the past it's great um i think after after pokemon cards i sort of got into uh silver age spidey's
0: okay yeah
1: I remember uh, I used to have youth orchestra on the weekends, on Saturdays, every afternoon or morning. And then uh, sometimes I'd go to the comic shop that was nearby. So I would always go to their glass case at the back and see like, you know, oh, it's like Spider-Man, you know, 40 there or something like a key title with a great cover. So that's how I kind of got into comics in high school.
0: Those darn glass cases, man. Those were uh, yeah, those I, also got us. <laughs> I, was, I was
1: never uh, a pleb looking through the shelves. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going straight to the expensive stuff at the back. Because they also just... <laughs> had cards there. Like they, had, they would have vintage Pokemon cards. You know, you nice. could buy singles, hollows. And I'm like, oh, that's cool
0: yeah buying singles back then was crazy yeah like that's what i talk about with the ignorance here. i had no idea what anything was worth it was just like oh my god like a first edition guy of the fierce knight is 39.99 mm. like is it yeah. <laughs> wow that's a
1: <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's more than a booster pack <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah. though right yeah <laughs> so the the glass cases man they that's exactly where i went to
1: yeah yeah i think um after kind of comics i I didn't really start collecting again until 2014, 2015.
0: Like you just took a, like a prolonged hiatus there? Yeah, I mean, like, I like was in school. school or... I was in
1: university. Um, I was teaching a lot. I had a studio of students and then I did my master's. I moved away for that. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, I just didn't, uh, didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, and... life
0: just completely kind of yeah got in the way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it was kind of when I, uh, when I got another orchestra job out of my university years. That okay. I started taking interest in collecting again. I think I went to a collectible store in Winnipeg and they had a, like a mint copy of um, Ocarina of Time, like the, the foil cover edition. And I was like,
0: Whoa, like, like a CIV copy. Yeah, yeah. Cause that
1: was one thing I could never get when, when I was, uh, when I was a kid. Cause by the time I got it at Christmas, it was already the, yep, same. the regular same. copy. So, I don't even
0: remember, like, as a kid, I, Ocarina of Time, we really wanted. I think we got it for Christmas that year, but I don't have no recollection of gold even existing when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, like, I didn't I, know it until Majora came out.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That yeah. was, like, the legendary gold cartridge, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know Ocarina had one.
1: Yeah. Never, yeah. never came across my radar. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, actually, now that I think about it, my first ever collectible game purchase was a SEAL game. Oh, really? But even before Ocarina, it was Fantasy Star Online Plus. For the GameCube? For GameCube, the rare one. And it was from Replay Games. Really? Yeah. So (laughs) I think kind of how this went was I dug out all my N64 stuff. And my mom had like kept all the boxes. She was like, you should keep the boxes. I'm like, ah, mom, who cares? You know, mom mom. mom was right. We chucked ours. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And so I had like all these really nice uh, minty boxes for like, you know, Zelda and Goldeneye and all these things. And I took them all into Replay and I was like, Fantasy uh, Star Online was a big part of my life too in high school. Okay, because it was cool. like the first ever online game I played. We got broadband internet, and I got the adapter, and I had so many good friends on that game that I wow. met that I eventually met in real life later. I've so, never
0: heard someone actually who's like played Fantasy Star Online. Oh, it's awesome! Like it only ever comes up in collector conversations yeah, for me. It's I've so never... good. <laughs> so
1: I didn't even know the plus version existed because I just had the regular one, and then I kind of found out this rare alternate print exists. So a mm-hmm. later print, I guess it's a second print, and. um So when I saw that in replay, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want that. And of course, you know, it wasn't for sale. And so I brought in all my N64 stuff and I was like, uh, he's like, what do you want for all this stuff? And I had like a console too. And I was like, I want that. And I pointed (laughs) to the glass place and it was (laughs) Fantasy Star Plus. So I traded for that one. So that was like the first collectible game I ever bought.
0: Did you guys put a money amount to it or no?
1: We did. Yeah. And I got a bit of uh, trade in value on top. Okay. Of my stuff okay. as well. So I got that, and then I got to buy, you know, a few other things too, which was nice. Yeah. Cause
0: Fantasy Star has been expensive for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think even since it launched, <laughs>
1: I think this was maybe, I'm trying to remember the year. Gosh, it might have been like 2013, 2014, okay. maybe 2012 even. But I'm sure it was like 300 something even back then. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I just that's... want this. I was like, I, I just need do you this. You still setup. have it? I do. Oh, nice. And water graded. I had it graded. Not, you not, not an Is amazing it? grade. I think it's 9.4a. Oh, I sold you garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, like That's back scammed. then, you yeah. know, like, what do you know? I know. But, you know. I know.
0: On the topic of optimization again, it's like, oh, man, like, <laughs> yeah. got to upgrade.
1: I know. Yeah, got to upgrade. I
0: doubt you ever will. It's, you know, special copy, but it's just funny that yeah. once you start adding grading, it's like yeah. another layer where you can be unhappy because the number isn't nice. I know. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> and I, like, I eventually got a... Uh, a copy of the first, the first version of it too, nice. for GameCube. And I think that one was a VGA 90. So oh, wow. A nice that's one. Like, yes. It's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of like led me into the purchase of Ocarina of Time. And then I got myself an Ikea cabinet and I started displaying a few like games. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. I started selling my comic books. And, oh, wow. And uh, putting it kind of the...
0: pivoted right towards games. That yeah. Day.
1: Yeah. I was like, well, at the time, I remember when I first got into it, I was like, geez, like Am I just going to be, it was a major concern for me because I just started a job and I was like, am I going to just be sinking money into this and not seeing anything? I was like, are they difficult to sell? I didn't know anything about the market at the time. So it was, it was kind of, um, I had some trepidation over that. I was like, you know, I, I have all these comics lying around. Why don't I just get rid of them and then buy some games that I like? And then it just kind of, you know, went on from there. Started getting into sealed games in like 2018 and yeah, I had a really nice mint SNES set of games, not a full set or anything, but yeah, yeah. I was always looking for the nicest stuff I could find. <laughs> so I had some really nice boxes and carts and
0: yeah. I feel like that that type of collecting is just built in where it's like uh mm-hmm. you just um you want to find the absolute nicest. And it's hard to even explain that to people who are yeah. just like, oh just get a you know, like oh you can get one on eBay for forty bucks. And like you can, yeah, but it's all creased and damaged, yeah. the labels ripped and it's like, yeah. you know there's it, nothing wrong with doing that, but it's kind of just ingrained in some people. Like, I don't think you can convince someone to care more about an ice box if they just don't. It's just kind of like ingrained in how you collect or how you engage.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about eye peel, right? You know, we kind of consume everything with our eyes. So it's like, even back in the, the days with Pokemon cards on the playing field, you know, on the, on the playground, it's like, if you see some kid with like a bent, hollow rare hollow you're like i don't want that you yeah know, yeah 100 yeah, there's a giant bend through it so that you know there there's a reason why nicer looking stuff fetches more money it's because we that's how we consume things with our eyes so
0: yeah and yeah. when a lot of this stuff you know might not be rare in the most uh basic sense where you know you can go buy a collector's edition ocarina of time anytime you want they exist out there but finding one in exceptional condition it's like okay there's there's chase yeah you know on the topic of the chase being <laughs> of, almost half is rewarding, more rewarding than the actual acquisition. The chase is a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I need my collecting to have the level of difficulty to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember, um, you know, having a lot of joy looking for inserts and stuff. Yeah. You know, like, the Chrono Reg cards. And yep. it's like, God, can I find a copy with the Reg card? I That's think I bought
0: uh, four or five different copies of Chrono Trigger over the years. Yeah. Like upgrading certain pieces, adding the registration card, maps. Because what is it? There's two posters, registration card manual. Is that yeah. Chrono Trigger? Yeah. And so it's, it's a like, heavy game. Yes. Holy man. <laughs> like that
1: game has some heft to it.
0: <laughs> so, you know, buying multiple copies, swapping out pieces, selling it off, buying another one, swapping in and out pieces. And, and that was fantastic. Like yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I think Final Fantasy 3, I've bought multiple copies, Secret of Mana, and SNES sucks, man. Why did SNES have so many inserts?
1: Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it sucks, but that's what makes it fun.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> it's it's absolutely a love-hate, because yeah. it's like, you know, I want to get a fully complete copy. Of... I know, it's
1: not complete until I have that reg yep. card, you know.
0: Yep, and that registration card for a lot of games, you'll have to literally just buy another copy that has it, Yeah, uh, then keep it and sell off everything else.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, that often justified a lot of my purchases, too, when it's like oh, this thing is kind of maybe slightly overpriced, but as the reg card, you know, it's going to save me a lot of time and, you know.
0: And it's funny because people weren't valuing that nearly as much as they should have been. No. Like those, there was a big lag on just how difficult they truly were to acquire for some of the registration cards. Yeah. Because people would sell, you know, CIBs uh, with posters or registration cards for basically the same price as a box manual card. Yeah, they wouldn't value the extra inserts at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, you, if you looked hard enough, you could find those listings mm-hmm. where, you know, they weren't factoring in that kind of thing. Yep, And that's where you could kind of get ahead in a way.
0: Yeah. And the same with condition condition was highly, highly, highly not, um, not as uh, uh, emphasized or yeah. people didn't value it nearly as much as well.
1: Well, it's not regulated as much as it is now with grading and all that. So, you know, now that we have grading companies uh, there's, theoretically a lot more on you know non-biased yeah there. yeah theoretically, theoretically. yes <laughs> I, I get it that, that, yes
0: <laughs> uh, even without degrading it was just like you know you talked about bent up card and stuff Going to like a a near mint, truly beautiful copy of say Chrono Trigger back then would be
1: like three hundred bucks. Yeah,
0: and then your used crappy one was like two fifty. Mm-hmm. It's like man, like of I'll course, spend the extra. Yeah, of bucks, course yeah. I'm
1: going to spend up with that black box. You know, yeah, it, and it, especially you know, being the Mexico print, you know, with the like the yes. crappy cardboard, it's like those paper things. label
0: on there. Yeah. Like
1: it, it's just it's gonna.
0: But people just didn't. um, People would just say, "You overpaid." Oh, you overpaid. Like the average price is two fifty. You paid three hundred. You overpaid. Yeah. It's like,
1: like who cares?
0: You guys know. Like, (laughs) look at, look at it. Yeah. Like, just use your eyes. Yeah. Like, so beautiful. Look at it. Yeah. You know this. This condition is deserves the premium. Yeah. And yeah, people have definitely caught on more now to conditional premiums, but I think it still is one spot in video game collecting where there's a lot of lag. Mm. Maybe. I don't want to say misunderstanding about it because, like, surely people can understand that nicer stuff sells more. Yeah. But just not quite to the degree that it does.
1: Right. And like which, which market do you find that's more prevalent in? Is it like, the CIB market or the sealed market? A or... uh,
0: sealed for sure, CIB to a lesser degree. Okay. The swings with sealed are just heavier. Like, mm. trying to explain to someone, you know, the difference between price of a 9.2 and a 9.8. Mm. That's going to, you know... I think your most average collectors will be like, Oh, that's, that's dumb. It's fake. It doesn't make sense. Like, why is it 10 times more? Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, So that kind of conditional nuance, um, which is largely like from the grading companies Mm -hmm. without the grading companies, you can't really have jumps like that from, you know, uh, something that's near mint versus mint versus mint plus, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) the extra qualifiers, however we want to take it, but getting into those super extreme levels, uh, that's people still don't really understand i think with trading cards and stuff it's pretty understood now if you have a 10 like you're going to get a massive premium even versus a nine right i think that's pretty understood comics you know nine eight nine nine it's going to sell for a pretty big premium versus nine six even yeah games is still you know why why would you grade cellophane why would you grade the plastic and stuff and it's like uh, yeah yeah Yeah. still ways to go with that
1: yeah and part of me as well you know sees the justification in cardboard games with box grade, especially. Uh, yep. Whereas like something like if I was looking for, uh, let's say like a sealed Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation, it's like, yeah, if I could get a 9.0 with A++ wrap, I'd be happy, more than happy as long as there's no crack
0: i was about to say that's your issue though that's yeah. your issue with those double jewels it's basically nine six nine eight unless it's cracked yeah then you're not getting like i don't even know how you get a nine four how do you get a middle grade i have no idea like i don't know yeah
1: because it's either cracked or it's not or <laughs> yeah. faded
0: or it's not so it's you know <laughs> yeah no matter how bad it looks if it's not cracked like you have a good shot at nine eight on a jewel case yeah which is kind of dumb but yeah just is how it is it's how that is you know it's how it is
1: yeah but you have to
0: learn how to emphasize and where you should emphasize and all that good stuff. Yeah. You just learn as you go.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a learning process. Yeah. Never really ends.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just keep going down different rabbit holes.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's too much knowledge for any one man to know, (laughs) but, uh, okay. So now that we've arrived at our kind of like current collecting, uh, habits, where would you say you are now for focus?
0: Oh God. Like what would you, what would be your, yeah. Yeah. 2023 has been interesting. Um, Now doing this for what, like 15 years almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy. It is. It's, it's, you know, half my life. I'm going to go to the part now where it's like I've been collecting more than I haven't. Like that. that's what's happening next year. That's wild. So a big thing for me this year was honestly paring down, like getting rid of stuff, Mm. which sounds, you know, kind of counterintuitive, but like just in doing this for so long and doing it in a sense where I bought bundles and I was always, I was always a quantity or not like not completely, but you know, quantity mattered. Like I was a full set guy. I was buying whatever came up. I was buying good deals. I was buying bundles and I would keep a lot of stuff. So as it is now, 2023, like I'm just trying to whittle it down more to stuff that I really care about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, coming into 2023, I still had, I think... Six hundred NES games, five hundred and fifty maybe. Wow! I sold off, I think, three hundred and fifty this year. Wow! So and you know,
1: carts, CIB, uh,
0: but mixture of both, mixture. So of both, I okay. think I sold two hundred cartridges, hundred and fifty CIB, something wow. like that. Great. Uh, probably twenty sealed. Yeah. Um, and it just it feels great. Yeah, like I don't miss it. You no, know? Well, I have no. <laughs> it's if
1: it's sitting in a box in the closet, you're not gonna miss it. You know
0: exactly. You know, it's
1: kind of what I've been telling myself now too. Is I've been kind of digging through old tubs, and it's like you know, just just take what you can get for this crap because it's not. You're not enjoying it. It's just sitting yeah. there. It's money you could put towards something else that you might like more. Exactly. Know. And I'm
0: not afraid of like, oh, what if it goes up more? Like, oh, what if it yeah. does?
1: What if it does? Yeah, you if- know,
0: I'm, 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 I've had my fun out of it. I got what I got out of it. Like, I'm, I'm done. If it goes up more, great. Someone yeah. will make money on it. But yeah. like, <laughs> for sure, it's not my fear or my desire anymore. Yeah. To just like hold on to uh, random NES games that yeah. I don't have any connection to, any care for. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, not, I'm done with that. Yeah. You know, I'm over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, stagnant money doesn't do anyone any good. So
0: yeah. And you know. like you said, I'm going to use that money then to go into directions that I really want to try and focus on more. Yeah. So, you know, 2023, I'm trying to get factory sealed Pokemon games. Not mm-hmm. uh, very expensive these days. Yes. <laughs> I'd love to get more factory sealed first party N64 games as well. Okay. I'd like, you know, people all dunk on it. They meme on it. I would love to buy a Mario 64 factory sealed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: as much as people say, it's the most common game out there still going to cost me thousands of dollars for a sealed one. Yeah. Like that's just how, how it is now. Yeah. There aren't that many. And I mean, it's a
1: very important game. So
0: yeah. And that's the kind of, you know, where I want to start focusing a lot more now is on the games that mean a lot to me Mm -hmm. that I think have widespread appeal. Um, Not, not to say like safe investments or safe spots to put money. Like it's video games. There's always, you know, volatility and all of this. But I think there are certain games that have better future outlook or better hold potential uh, to sink a lot of money in, mm-hmm. where I won't be worried about it nearly as much. Mm-hmm. I can still enjoy the item I own a lot. Yeah. Um, but I won't be like, oh man, like, if I keep holding this, like, does anyone care? Um, and that's how I think, you know, a good example, I guess, would be Cheetah Men 2 on the NES. Mm-hmm. A very expensive game. I think yes. I sold my copy for $2,000 still. I don't know how many more Cheetah Men collectors are going to be made in the next 10 to 15 years. Right. Are people still going to care about that? Yeah I feel like the story of Cheetah Men 2 peaked uh, 10 years ago with like angry video game nerd videos, and like maybe Pat the NES punk covered it too. Right 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah <laughs> So I you know, take the 2,000 dollars now, I can buy something I actually care about, mm-hmm. and go from there. Yeah, So that's kind of what I'm doing these days is paring down and really uh, auditing my collection into what I actually want.
1: Yeah. What and are you that, doing? I think that's a sensible thing to do. I, I'm kind of doing the same. I guess, um, you know, I still do have a lot of games left. Oh, so uh, do I. Make no mistake. I've I mean, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably have a lot more than I do, but <laughs> I've just been so focused on artwork that, you know, there's games just kind of sitting, you know, buried in a shelf or in a, in a box somewhere. And I'm just like, why, you know, just, just put that stuff into art because I'm always, you know, there's always kind of a, an opportunity that I feel like I'm not prepared for. So I'm like, it'd be nice to be prepared for some more things that come down the line because it's always like you're always kind of uh, w- waiting for these leads that you've kind of put out into the universe like years before.
0: Yeah, I was going to say with the art world, it's not nearly like stuff doesn't pop up. No. So like no. you said, if you're not ready for the opportunity, something actually does appear.
1: Yeah. That's it. It's going that's on. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that I think that's why art is like such an exciting hobby for me is because it's... Cause it's it's impossible to know what's really out there.
0: Do you feel safer dumping money into art? Cause like, obviously you're going to cycle a lot of cash here from games to art. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel safer?
1: Yeah. Personally, why? I do. Yeah. Why? Because, because I'm putting in the effort to, um, to find this stuff uh, from its original sources, okay. which allows me to buy more and preserve more. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm primarily buying off collectors the entire time, it's uh, it makes it much more difficult for me to make my money go its entire way. <laughs> so, you know, I think um, at the prices I, I tend to be able to buy stuff at, I feel safer in that realm. Would yeah. you feel
0: safe if you had to pay collector prices? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, say you're at the mercy of the market. Yeah. Would you still feel great putting money into this stuff?
1: Um, I guess it really depends on the the price I'm buying something at and where I feel the value could potentially be, because, I mean, that's really what it is. You have no comparables, right? Yeah. So you're, you're really looking for potential in certain things. That's, like what,
0: it, that's what terrifies me about a market where market comps don't really exist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. that That is, I think, what prevents a lot of people from from diving into one-of-a-kind collectibles. For me, I kind of find it exciting where if I find something, I'm like, that seems really undervalued to me. Or... You know, it seems like a good buying opportunity.
0: Sounds like there's still a bit of magic in that yeah, side of There's uh... <laughs> there's a lot, yeah.
1: Because I mean it. um I don't want to say like you kind of create the value yourself, but you know, it's
0: the eye of the beholder matters a lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's because there's no direct comparables, you're a lot more immune to the ups and downs of of conventional um retail style collectibles.
0: Yeah. How have you found the volatility on your side of uh original video game art? Like have um, pieces you know, someone's paid something and you've seen it resell and just, oh my God, like the value tanked.
1: I don't know if I've really seen any tanking per se, because so little stuff changes hands frequently enough to really notice it. But I mean, stuff already in 2015 was selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh my gosh. So, you know, the people that were kind of buying in early obviously can afford to do so, but you know, they're paying real premiums for that kind of stuff, but. You know, I think when you have like a plus plus material, you're going to pay a lot unless you get lucky and find it from, you know, a storage locker or something.
0: What would be an example to something that's, you know, a plus plus, like, like, what are we talking about? Like
1: say like Street Fighter 2, Super Nintendo.
0: Like the original artwork for it? Yeah, oh the my painting. gosh. Yeah. yeah. The Mick
1: <laughs> painting. Yeah. That would be like, I think probably a plus plus material ubiquitously known, you know, everybody knows it when yeah. they look at it. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to even like think about that world. Yeah. I
1: mean, you're, you're getting into um, true historical provenance and importance when it comes to artwork, because it's all one of a kind. Yeah. You know, this is, these are images that are um, embedded into people's brains for decades. Yeah. It's
0: funny that uh, on that topic of like graduation and stuff and, you know, like taking it up the notch, Mm -hmm. you kind of went from the video games to literally like trying to source the art of the video games now. Yeah. Like, you just took it to another level. Like yeah. sealed is one thing. You just like said, "Oh, there's too many sealed games. That's too common." Like you jumped up to one of ones now.
1: Yeah, that's, that's well insane. You know, I kind <laughs> of, I sort of learned about original game art maybe in 2016 or something, and I was like, "Oh man, it'd be really cool to have like a painting that was on a box cover." Like that just seemed like the coolest thing. That's to insane. Me. It's and insane I, to even yeah, think about. I didn't really get the opportunity until uh, 2019 came around. So that kind of uh, that got me my first painting, and I remember. You know, taking it out of the box and looking at it for the first time and being like, oh, no, <laughs>
0: like,
1: I love this.
0: <laughs> and four years later, you're selling off all your games and like you're going in even deeper.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you got to make sacrifices. You do. Unless you have, you know, money coming in left and right. It's like I can't buy everything. So, yeah, yeah you got to something's got to give at some point
0: that'll be what this podcast does is uh you know money's coming in left (laughs) and right we can just (laughs) just get whatever we want let's get some good ad revenue okay (laughs) yeah like this thing's gonna be the difference maker Mm -hmm. a couple guys like us
1: that's (laughs) right yeah we're here to tell you the real story yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) okay so now that we've kind of got to the the current state of our collections and goals what what do you see what's your kind of outlook in the next five years for your, On, yeah, for your collection yeah like right? collection what i'm gonna be doing yeah or? where you want to be oh gosh like what do you think
0: oh gosh in the next five years i mean this um might be an ambitious goal like i said i still have thousands of games like probably mm-hmm. over two thousand games in this collection in the next five years i would almost say that i want to get rid of everything that is not factory sealed okay like i think i want to just trim everything that is trim like, like fat, i said yeah. i don't i don't play on my um original consoles and stuff i just don't so i have you know cartridges i have cibs still i have consoles like i probably own six n64s i, I don't use them yeah so i probably keep you know a single cib n64 a single cib super nintendo sell off all the extra consoles i have sell off all of the open games and stuff and cib games unless it's something that's you know you know there's going to be exceptions but generally speaking uh take all that money then from what i sold off and really think about like okay what are the most important games to me where i want to own this um do i want to own a factory sealed version do i want to just get like a super nice cib like what are the games that really matter to me that i want to display because i want to get it down to a point where i have enough stuff or i guess like so little stuff is the way i should put it Mm -hmm. where i can actually display almost everything. I would like, you know, 75-80% of my collection to be on display at yeah. all times. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, like I, yeah, there's some stuff I speculate invest in whatever, so I'm always going to have, you know, a little bit of stuff where I buy duplicates or you know like holding on to this, you know, but yeah. I I want to have it in a spot where I'm in control of the collection at all times. If something happens, I can sell it all off at once. Like every single piece has really good value both sentimental and monetary. I, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old, but like, I don't want to deal with thousands of pieces of stuff. Yeah. It's just too much. It's too much to do anything with. I can't move. I can't sell it. I can't handle it. Like,
1: yeah, it's too much. Absolutely. And I, you know, if you have stuff just sitting in boxes, you might as well have an index fund or something, you know? Well, exactly though. Right. (laughs)
0: Like, so (laughs) at least I have something just sitting there, then I can buy and sell it at the click of a button. Yeah. I don't have to worry about inventory, flood, fire, moving animals, like baby but there's just so much, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: and I probably will be having kids within that next five year gap there. So like, you know, it's just another issue. Yeah. Got so much, someone running around trying to wreck my stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that. Get some padlocks for those cabinets.
0: <laughs> Seriously, though, yeah. you know? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's my big goal. Uh, sell off a lot of stuff. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I want to acquire the stuff I really want to get. But
1: yeah. And just refine.
0: Refine, 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 refine. Yeah. Everything yeah 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 i get that
1: what do you want to do i think i'm kind of the same
0: you'd be what almost 40 in five years
1: yeah i'm 36 now so i'd be 41 there we go yeah i'd be 35 yeah (laughs) like getting old yeah we're getting up there (laughs) yeah seriously yeah um i think for me you know it's it's really hard to say because you never know what's going to come up i think in the art world i'm talking about mm-hmm. so i thought
0: just mentioned life i was like oh wow that's getting real deep well you like, <laughs> know <laughs> philosopher jeremy I think, <laughs> I think i think
1: you know that probably applies too you know we just never know what's gonna never happen know. <laughs> but um you know obviously i i i think just being in a mm-hmm. state of preparation for the next thing is the best i can i can always hope for so by kind of getting rid of stuff that's just sitting in boxes then you know that helps me towards that goal
0: yeah, so you just want to be sitting on cash basically for yeah, the next five so. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause you just never know. It's like you never know what uh what'll pop up.
0: What's what's the most you would spend on something? You say that, like, you know, if mm. something comes up for fifty thousand dollars, like Yeah. If it's the right thing, would you just make it happen? Like would you just force sale some stuff? Like, you know, where are your limits with that, with being ready?
1: Yeah. It really I guess it really depends on what I really want. Um that's, that's really tough to say. Like, you know, if, you know, what if the original art for Maximum Carnage comes up for yeah, sale yeah, or something? Like something
0: you just really, really want.
1: Yeah. That'd be hard to say. Cause that would probably be beyond my limits. Yeah. I think it's if like, that, say,
0: you know, say you had the opportunity at 70,000, where would you be willing to sell I off? Would, like,
1: yeah, I'd probably make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: sell off a lot of your pieces where, yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'd probably try and make that happen. Wow. I don't know if I could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's really different. When you, when you're presented with an opportunity, you know, I mean, I, that's happened before, not, not at that price level, but even just at like, say, you know, five grand or something. Yeah. You know, I had a, that Resident Evil magazine cover was just suddenly offered to me out of the blue. (sighs) And I was just like, oh my God, I don't have this money, but I have to do it. Yeah. You know, it's Resident Evil. That's (laughs) like, and it's a painting. It's a giant oil painting by a famous illustrator. I was like, I just had to make that happen. you know, if that, if that comes around at that kind of price level, then, you know, you got to make sacrifices for sure and hope you can pull it off. You know,
0: it's what I've struggled with the most, you know, even with paring down my collection, like I I still kept 200 NES games and I don't need that. But I'm just like not ready to like, I still love the stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, there's so much stuff that I love that I have that connection to, that emotional deepness where it's like, man, if I sell it, I think I will miss it. Yeah. And, you know, in doing this in a good way or in an optimal way a way that you probably should do it quotations you got to be ready to cut those ties with stuff if yeah. prices move if like 2021 right uh stuff went through the roof so much stuff now prices are down you know 50 80 on mm-hmm. a lot of stuff uh the most optimal thing you could have done is sell everything yeah. in 2021 everything yeah. every Absolutely. single thing you owned and then just bought it back three years later
1: yeah and you'd have a lot of money left over (laughs) or even
0: if you sold half of it in 2021 right like anything yeah you had to sell something was like the optimal play yeah so many people just like didn't move anything Mm -hmm. because you know you're connected to it yeah and as you see prices going up the first thought in your head is oh man if i sell it i'm not getting it again
1: yeah but and
0: i don't know like you know no
1: one has no one has uh, a crystal ball it's only hindsight that You can be, you know,
0: I know, but it's also like, if you buy something for a hundred and now it's trading for 800, do you still like it? Do you still need it? Do you still want it? Would you buy it for 800? Yeah. You know, and if the answer is like, no, I'd never touch this for 800, you might want to consider turning it into $800. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, it's weird like that. Um, you value stuff like once you have it, you know, you value it totally different than if it was on the shelf there. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that I would not rebuy in my collection Yeah, at the current price. wouldn't even like think about it. Yeah. You know, for sure. But I'm also, I don't sell it either. I'm like, oh, I don't <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't need that. So thousand. what
1: do you want? Yeah. The like, it's
0: so, it's so weird when you start. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard, man. Hard yeah, decisions hard. to make.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Nothing's easy. When you start talking about the pieces you really like, Oh, it is tough out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be, it'd be tough for me to sell a lot of, a lot of art from my collection there's there's like you know sketches and stuff i have that i'm just like you know i could sell that that's fine but you know when you get to like the published like super nintendo box covers or something like that's like that's hard to part with
0: yeah and i mean those have good value i'm sure i'm sure we're talking five figures
1: oh yeah for sure yeah Yeah, so like yeah yeah, there you go right so yeah Yeah, (laughs) tens of
0: thousands of dollars then yeah um, you
1: know when you sell that kind of stuff it's like you should only do that when you have something to replace it with
0: yeah, that's kind of how I try to do it, actually. That's interesting is like, if I'm trying to make a bigger purchase or if I'm like, I want to invest, you know, real money, like you said, get an index fund or like fund something, like do something with the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the only time I'm looking to really move something big is if I have like, you know, I'll probably buy a house in the next two years. A mortgage will be something where I'm like, hey, I'm going to sell some stuff. I'll put the money towards directly just like sell this stuff, put it to a down payment. Yeah. Because I have something I want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which
1: makes sense, you know, especially at like uh, current interest rates. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, that probably too. want an enormous down payment, <laughs> to be honest.
0: <laughs> well, here's fingers crossed, like we get normalcy in the next two uh, or three years. Yeah, or I'll be uh, staying exactly where I am.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. There is there is benefits right now to renting for sure.
0: Yeah, it's nice. You know, yeah. I didn't mean to be here for like five years, but hey. Eh? Here you, you we got are. To, yeah, here we are. Here Still we are. Still renting.
1: <laughs> three years of a pandemic, and then it's like oh. that.
0: That's literally what happened, though.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, like you it was going to be a couple you... year thing. Yeah. And
0: then all of a sudden, five years have passed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: And it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I think that happened to a lot of people. You know, they had plans and then all of a sudden, boom, everything just comes to a complete standstill. Yeah. So.
0: And that that two or three year there is just like, oh, wow, that time just melted. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, hopefully, uh, yeah, House prices come to a normal spot. Yeah. And I can sell off some collection. And that's probably when I'll actually sell some really big pieces if we're talking five figure plus pieces mm-hmm. I'll probably sell them when I go to buy a house. Right. At least, you know, a couple or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz then you're, you know, you're getting something of value.
0: Putting it directly into an investment or something non-volatile something for life. Yeah. You know. Then I don't have to feel sad about it cuz it's like, oh man, like <laughs> like say the price goes up, right? I sold that I gave for 10,000 5 years later it's worth 50-60. It's like, oh that's fine. I have a house. Like, yeah. I bought a house. I used it to buy a house. Yeah. No regrets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was sort of the same way. Like I sold a few things early on to like buy other stuff, and it's like, oh man, I should have kept that. You know, probably would have been much better now. But at the same time, it's like, well, you wouldn't have all this if you didn't get that. And yeah, blah, blah blah. You know, it's just it's never ending when you're kind of like constantly looking for stuff.
0: Yeah, that's the the joy, I guess, of being more liquid with your collection. Yeah, because a lot of people stay very static. Yeah. You know, like stuff just enters and it never leaves. Yeah. It's like, this is my collection. Like I never sell games. I never resell. I think that's
1: a bit of a luxury.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think it is myself as well. Yeah. Either that or you simply aren't collecting much. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of one or the other, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Either you can afford to buy stuff and never sell it or you're just not really buying that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you're buying, you know, five games a month. Yeah. Then I could not sell anything either, but like, you know, I want to be doing five games a week. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm an addict. Let's ramp this up.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, thought I we need were something to do all day besides YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we we're game collecting. Let's, let's buy some games. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it just truly though, like, I'm not that I'm a game store, but that's kind of how I would like to see it, where it's yeah. like, uh, you know, I never know what's coming in. I never know what's like. I'm gonna be selling stuff almost every week, you know, and stuff's gonna be bought every week. Yeah, just trying to continually optimize stuff. Yeah. And, that's, and know, that's the fun of it, too. I love, too. It. I love yeah. it. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: I love the market and all of it. I know yeah. some people absolutely despise it. Um, I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to put money into anything, you have to be flexible. You know, you have to be willing to uh, see good and bad in order to kind of survive the... You should. <laughs> the crazy swings. So. <laughs> you should.
0: But there's a lot of bitter people out there who just, you know, like video game collecting's ruined or whatever rabbit hole you want to yeah, go yeah. down. And it's like, I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna keep uh
1: <laughs> comics are meant to be read.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna games keep, are
1: meant to be played.
0: I'm gonna keep buying and keep selling. Like <laughs> we're gonna keep doing the same thing we've done for the past ten years. Yeah. Nothing yeah. changes in that regard.
1: Yeah. Prices
0: it's... will change, numbers will change, but like the yeah. actual engagement. Same old, same old.
1: Yeah. I yeah, I think I agree with that. You can only just uh kind of be prepared for what's coming and
0: find deals where you can, sell off stuff where you can and you know, keep keep moving, keep doing yeah. it.
1: Slow down if you have to,
0: because prices go up. That's about it. Yeah. Like, I, you know, 2021, I slowed down a lot of my buying. Yeah. And I upped my selling. Prices were crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't buying as much because I literally couldn't. Yeah. But it's also like, oh, man, I should really go through my stuff and like, you know, what's gone up 7X? Mm -hmm. And start selling stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I think uh, a lot of people who have been game collectors for as long as, you know, someone like you, especially, you know, you would have had stuff you bought for really low prices Mm -hmm. and you would have been in a great position to make money regardless of whether the market went crazy or not.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. And a lot of people sitting on that stuff, have it in their collections. You know, those people who never sell stuff. It's like, ah, maybe you should, Yeah, maybe yeah. you should get rid of some of those games that are now And you, maybe you don't touch it. Don't play it. Don't care about it. Do you have a rule of rows or you have a fantasy star online? Plus like, does that game even run now? Can you even run fantasy star online? Plus
1: there, there is a uh, PC version with a dedicated well, server you... oh, on GameCube. I have no idea. Like, Do you need
0: the, uh, Online or no, you don't.
1: You can actually play it split screen.
0: Oh, okay, okay, cool. Which is great. Okay, so the game still is usable.
1: Yeah, good. And there actually is another Japanese expansion as well (laughs) called Blue Burst, but it's PC only. Okay. So if you you can uh, you can get the PC version kind of like for free, and there's a dedicated server that people still play on. That's insane. Yeah, which is
0: cool. That's really cool. I love when games stay alive like that.
1: Yeah, that is cool.
0: But yeah, you know, take some of those games from your collection, sell them off, and I don't know. Yeah. Just be more, be more fluid, be more liquid.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. That's a good motto.
0: Yeah, yeah. There should be a grading company that uh, uses uh, water. Uh... Yeah, oh, something, something <laughs> with something like liquid there? and yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything like, that? Can, like we, that? can we, can we copyright <laughs> that? But
0: yeah, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Make sure to what do you do on podcast?
1: Oh, I don't know. Just join us next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. Like, yeah. yeah. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Join us next week. Take care, everyone.